What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Today we have special guest Khan Wolf on the Keto Savage podcast. For those of you that do not know, Khan was my prep coach for my second and third competitions while I was using the flexible dieting approach. Uh, so with this podcast, we really go into the details about our first competition experiences, some of the things learned throughout that whole process, and then we go into the details about what we're doing for this prep. This uh, competition in April, we're both doing the same show. Khan's going to be doing his pro debut, competing for the first time as a natural pro, and I will be competing for the first time using the ketogenic approach with the intentions of becoming a natural pro. So check out the podcast. Let me know what you think. Hopefully it will provide a morsel of entertainment, advice, amusement that you can use going forward in your own natural bodybuilding endeavors. All right, check it out. Robert Sykes podcast slash video first competition experiences who's going first you go for it man you're the guest okay alright first show experience and if any of you guys if any of my followers my real followers followed me from way back in the day from the bodybuilding.com days uh, this is where it all started um so basically what uh, what happened was uh, at the time I was living down in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I believe I was about 28 years old. And at this time I had, had no plans on ever doing a show. I just loved uh, working out. Uh, I had a football background and so just from training for sports and football, I just loved training. And I... Um, I was kind of getting into like, you know, supplements, protein and creatine and all that stuff. And so I'd made a, I'm pretty sure it was muscleandstrength.com at the time. I placed an order, I think for just like some protein and a pre-workout or something. And in my box, I got this little uh, handbook that said uh, the solution diet. And before this, I had never followed a structured diet ever. I'd never weighed anything. I'd never tracked anything. And so I'm kind of going through this book and I'm like, okay, it had like a kind of a structured meal plan in it, you know, meal one, eight ounces of chicken, you know, et cetera. And I, for some reason, it kind of flipped in me to finally pursue an actual like structured diet. So I went and got a food scale, all that stuff. And for the first time in my life, and I think I was, I think I was 27, 28 years old, I finally followed like a structured diet. And um, it was amazing. I think it was just like after, it was like eight weeks into the diet. So just two months, I started like taking, I took some progress photos and I was like, it was the first time that I actually looked in the mirror and I'm like, like to me, I was even like, holy crap, like this is what diet, when people always talk about like, oh, diet's the biggest part of the equation. I'm like, now I finally saw that that kind of look in the mirror that I wanted to see for so long where you start seeing that the separation in the muscle and like vascularity popping out. Um, and um, I, I, I was on bodybuilding.com. And if anybody's familiar with bodybuilding.com, the forums, they have a post your picture section. And so I just posted like a, hey, updated, you know, updated photos or whatever, eight months into diet. And it just like 
freaking exploded with all these people like wanting to know more about like my progress and this diet and everything like that and it's like still on there today you can find it. it's like 100 pages long of just constant you know forum formats page after page of people wanting to know my workouts and like how I structured the diet and like all this stuff and so what happened was was I kept rolling with this diet and I just kept getting leaner and leaner and leaner and at the time, the guy who devised the diet, uh, his name was Derek Charles Boy. Charles Boy, I think is what it is. And he was kind of affiliated at the time with Cybation, the makers of Extend. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like uh, messaged him and I'm like, he, I think he saw my progress too. And he was like, holy crap. He's like, he was willing to help me out for free. And he kind of said, hey, you know what? Like at the time, my meals were 20 grams of fat per meal. And so he said, you know what? To kind of reduce your calories a little bit and get leaner, let's go 15 fat 15 grams of fat per meal and so i started doing that i just started getting like super super lean and so i'm sitting here following this this bodybuilding.com thread that i started and everybody's like bro you need to compete you need to compete and i'm just like at the time i was still like on the weekends i'd go out and i was like partying with my buddies and stuff like that and i'm like oh it's like going to in and out burger i I do like one nice and this was part of the the diet which i liked you were allowed one free meal every week so for me it was either in and out burger or like a big a big domino's pizza or something and so i was doing kind of similar to like a refeed or a cheat meal and so i would do that usually like every saturday or sunday but then get back on the diet after that and so what happened was it's just kind of through the through the forum through the bodybuilding.com thread i had people that kind of helped me pick out um they're like hey there's this uh there's this natural show in um i think it was in mesa arizona it was on uh it was like right before my birthday it was august 28th 2010 and it was the ocb so this was the 2010 ocb arizona natural and what's funny is do you remember uh, do you know pedro or Pedro, you might you, you might not have met him. Anyway, he's kind of big and then, or he's he's a natural pro. But he, I met him at that show, and but it just kind of happened was again, it was just this this uh, this finding this diet book, and and following it, and then a bodybuilding.com kind of a, a a huge swarm of people persuading me to like do this show is what is what got me to like finally and say you know what I committed to it and what's funny was it was only like I only had six weeks before I kind of committed to it so was it the most prepared contest prep no but you know I was I felt like you know for a first time show and stuff like that I wanted to to pursue it and so I did and I still I'll still never forget the night before just tossing and turning in bed I could not my nerves were just so high because I just I'm not a person that likes I never like to like talk in front of crowds and so I had this fear of just like all these people oh my god I'm gonna be up there and you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up on stage I'm gonna screw up my posing and so I just couldn't I didn't sleep I didn't sleep at all the night before and I remember like I think it was like four in the morning I just couldn't sleep so I was like screw this I got out of bed and I put on pumping iron this <laughs> <laughs> was like to burn time hey it's a good way to do it though. yeah and so I just started watching pumping iron until you know until I had like my first meal and all that stuff and um, at the time too I was living down in Arizona and so I didn't have any like family members there I actually didn't even I didn't even invite like any of my local uh, friends 
I it was just kind of something that I was like pursuing on my own. And luckily, I had the show. I ended up meeting some really cool people backstage. But at the time, I didn't invite anybody. So I just kind of felt like I was so just kind of, I don't know, alone in this first show. But uh, it was a great experience. Um, I ended up doing um, both the uh, the novice, novice and, and open. Uh, for people who aren't aware, novice is kind of like for first time competitors. So it's kind of more of like a beginner type class. And I thought I had won the overall in that. That's what most people told me after prejudging, but I ended up getting second in the tall class to kind of like a, a bigger, more muscular guy. He wasn't as conditioned, but he was bigger, more muscular. And then I went into the open class and I got uh, top three in open. And so I was pretty stoked about that for a first show. But I think the, the best thing was, was just um, everybody backstage was just like, where they're like, this is your first show? And it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of winged it and six weeks out kind of, you know, decided yeah. to do this. And so I think it was just the feedback of, of everyone kind of at the show kind of gave me such positive feedback. And then, um, and obviously, you know, obviously, like doing well. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, yeah, so my very first show, I did, a, you know, what's great was I did a natural show. I got polygraph tested, went through all of that. And so first show out of the gate, did a natural show. And then from there, I was kind of hooked. I kind of got to see, too, at the time, the guy that had won the show and won the pro card, kind of seeing, like, okay, so this is kind of what it takes to get to that pro level. And after that very first show, it was, like, next goal pro card yeah you know what i mean and so that was like my total just like okay this is my goal now after doing this first show next next goal is like pro card and that was you got it the next show too right no 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 was, no i didn't four total now yes yes but yeah so i ended up doing what happened was i had a coach uh tyler Mayer. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Tyler, he contacted me. I think he was at that OCB show that I did. And he saw me and says like, hey, he hit me up on, I think it was Facebook. I was like, hey man, like, dude, I saw you at the OCB show. He's like, dude, you have so much, um, you know, whatever uh, talent or whatever potential he's like you should let me prep you he's like I'll do it for free and I'll, and everything like that and so he convinced me to do um, at the time I was moving back up here to Washington and so we started prepping while I was still down in Arizona and I literally moved to freak back up to Washington State in the middle of a prep and ended up doing actually the Washington State Natural this was in 2011 when it was downtown Seattle and place called the Moore Theater. And what's funny is this is a show that actually Ogus, Ogus did. I didn't know o Matt Ogus at the time, but Matt Ogus was doing the same show. Um, he was in the short class. I was in the tall class. And um, long story short, I, my, I was aiming for a pro card, but I ended up losing uh, in the tall class to the guy that won the overall and the pro card. His name's Benny Mobley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Benny, you know, he's a lot older, had a lot more muscle. At the time, I kind of was like, nah, I thought that I should have won. But then now, honestly, really looking back, like, he deserved it because he was like pro ready. You know what I mean? Like, he had the muscle and things like that to like, you know, get that pro card and go right into a, a pro lineup. Whereas yeah me i still had so much room to improve and grow and stuff like that so I, my second show i got second in the open tall so 
Very nice. Yeah, Benny's a cool dude. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of, he's got some, he's got that, th- again, I think I think he's in his late 40s. Yeah. He's so, you just, again, it's that muscle maturity, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it, it really shows up on stage, especially when you're next to, like, you know, somebody like me who hasn't been competing nearly as long or training nearly as long. It really, really shows. Could you tell the difference between, like, the OCB Federation versus the WNBF? Um, no, it was pretty, I, I will say, like, the, people don't realize shows down in the south, I would say, like, Arizona and Texas, California, Nevada, whatever, all those all those states, man, bodybuilding is a lot bigger. A lot bigger there. So, I think I had, and when I did my very first OCB show, I kid you not, I think I had, like, 23 competitors just in my tall class. That's like wild. huge, huge, like huge classes. So a lot more competitors uh, down there. So I'll say just the shows, the shows down in like the southern states are usually going to be a lot bigger. Where you come up here to like Washington, and I'll say like, let's just kind of say maybe per class you're more like in the maybe like eight to ten kind yeah. of range in that ballpark. So smaller shows, still really competitive, but down there in South Man, those shows, yeah, those are like a lot bigger. The the muscle mayhem is WNBF, right? That's in California. Yeah, and I've been to that. I actually uh, went down to that one in 2013. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks, or maybe two months after I'd won my um, my natural pro card. I went down there and got to see. I think it was like. Uh, Matt Ogus was competing. Chris Lovato was competing. I think Elkins, Chris Elkins, even competed at that show. Uh, Kevin Riley. But the most important thing was that was the first time I had ever seen a natural pro lineup in person. Yeah. And so it was just also never forget. It's like okay, all of a sudden you see the amateurs. You're like, oh wow, they're impressive. They're impressive. And all of a sudden the pros come out, and I'm like. Okay. Level. Whoa, whoa! Like just like the the muscle, the conditioning, the hardness, like total different. I mean, it's it was like night. It was such a shock for me to see that in person and see like oh my gosh! Like and it was perfect just to see the amateurs first and see some really impressive amateurs, and then all of a sudden the pros walk out and just like. Okay, maybe I'm not ready. <laughs> maybe I'm not ready to be there. <laughs> yeah, well, they've all been. I mean, Nashville bodybuilding is like a it's an old man sport. You know, they're much much older than us and been at it for a while. Yeah, I mean, you're ten years older than me almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, I was I was a late bloomer though. Like I said, first show was literally the night before my 28th birthday, and like I said before that, I had no desires to. It's funny. I think I look back to when I was in my early and mid 20s, and I'm like, there's no way I could ever get put on one of those little speedos and and get oiled up and flex in front of a crowd i was like no way i could ever do that and then sure enough you know i ended up doing it so i mean yeah i mean it's it's it took a lot for me to like kind of get the courage to to kind of get over that stage fright but i think any anybody i I try to tell first time competitors this once you once you get up on stage you kind of realize uh the crowd in front of you is very dark yeah so you don't really see the people out on stage as opposed i I had this fear that i was just going to see all these eyeballs just like staring at me you know and it's not like that at all and i feel like once you get posing uh and your adrenaline kicks in 
Yeah, it's that's what a lot of us. That's what a lot of us like. You know, it's people get hooked on this sport because I think a lot of it. It's that that adrenaline that you get when you're on stage and you're hitting poses and all that stuff. It it really is a, a rush that if you've never experienced it, it's it's one of those things. I think this is what keeps people coming back for more and more is is getting that high and getting that rush of competing on stage. It is crazy that you spend, you know, hours upon hours in the gym, in the kitchen, and then you're on stage for, you know, five minutes. Yeah. And then... And then that's all that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why sometimes it, it is nice to, if you can kind of, if you can in your show season, maybe plan, you know, maybe at least like two shows. Cause at least that way you get some more stage time because yeah, yeah you're right. My first, my first two preps in 2010 and then 2011, there were just one shows and then done. So yeah, same thing where I put all this time and effort, got my yeah, five, five, 10 minutes of that of like stage time. And then that's it. <laughs> Speaking of show time, in, in the, uh, the Empire, I've heard the Empire this year is actually going to be in April instead of May. Have you heard of that? Uh, Empire Classic? Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it's really only a week or two after our show. Yeah. I think. Because it was in May, I think, last year. Uh, I'd have to double check that. I thought it was always kind of around our show, I thought. And there's a the GBO Federation, which is new. Yeah, Spokane now has a GBO federation, which... <laughs> that's, I think, on the 6th. So it's only like a week before the one okay, that's, uh, the national yeah. show. I'm I feel like flirting with the idea of doing all three. Bam, you bam, are? Bam, bam. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm considering it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not ever going to talk negatively about an organization, but I feel like the, the GBO show is still not really uh, big enough yet to where... I don't I know like anything about GBO. Any, it's the first any, year I've ever yeah. heard about him. I think it's he's just, only been doing it here two years now. If even that, say. if even that, yeah. Like I said, in Spokane, if people aren't familiar, we we uh, we we have no natural shows here in Spokane, which is unfortunate. I really wish we could get like a, a natural show promoted over here. Um, all we have is like two NPC shows, which if you're not familiar, NPC is is not tested. So. That's why a lot of us, like me and Robert, are going over to the um, North Seattle in Marysville up at the Tulalip Casino. That's where our show will be because that's a legit WMBF, which is a total credible uh, natural show. Yeah, it's a really good federation. Yeah, very good, you know, yeah, as far as, like, the drug testing and all that stuff. And I believe they even started, like, doing, like, an uh, off-season-type random drug testing for for competitors I think they have like a fall show now yeah yeah no they do uh, that's the thing there's been a lot of new um, in the past there used to just be the one April Kevin and Kevin and uh, Linda show that was the only natural pro qualifier offered and now I think it's grown to where they ha- they might have three there yeah. might be three WMBF pro qualifiers in Washington State. Because I know Aaron Orton, um, mm-hmm. he won his at a, one of the other WMBF shows this year. He did real good. Yeah, yeah, he looked great. So, I mean, that's great, though. I feel like the, it's, we're getting more... I just wish we had one here in Spokane. Yeah. We had one in our backyard. We don't have to go and get a hotel and all those extra It's kind of nice, though, to, like... I know it costs more, but it's kind of nice to, to go and make that part of the whole experience. You true, know? true. And plus, you get a chance to go and you just... The best part, too, like, at least with... I think you got to experience this. Uh, the best part about natural bodybuilding is kind of... 
meeting like other competitors at the show yeah and just like you know getting to talk with people who totally can relate to like what everything you've been going through and contest prep and we at this show have so many this year we got so many freaking great people that are currently prepping for this show we got lionel and uh micah uh darren foot who's a guy that you're, I think you're going to compete against one of my clients. I think I'll be in the same <laughs> class as Darren and Micah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. So all you guys are going to be in that. In that and then Lionel, league. he's going to try and do another show and then qualify. I think, yeah, I think Lionel's, uh, his plan of attack is to, to do a, a pro qualifying show as soon as possible before our show, get in hopes of getting his pro card so that way he can come do the pro show with me. And if he doesn't, is he just going to do the amateur? I yeah, I'm not sure if, what is the plan of attack is if he doesn't win his if he doesn't get the pro card at that show. I think he'd have to keep. My assumption is do another one until he gets his WMBF pro card back, so I can bid against him again. Yes, Lionel beat me last time. I'm coming <laughs> for you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, that is one thing I will I will admit one thing I'm not a huge fan of is this whole like I feel like once you get a pro card, you shouldn't have a deadline. Yeah, especially for a year. Can, yeah, that's, that's just too soon. I mean, people don't realize like the one is that just for the first year. I've heard that if you do a pro show like within that year, then the, for the next show, you don't have to keep doing one every year. I think it's every if you like for a pro, I believe it's every you have to compete every two years every two for years. WMBF. I believe it's still pretty quick. Yeah, because I actually had to. I have to like. I'm an IFPA natural pro, but I have to like submit this form to get my uh, WMBF pro card for this show. And so they told me that with now that I'll be a WMBF pro as well, I have to compete every two years, or I'll lose that pro card. Really? <laughs> yeah. IFPA. IFPA. I believe is three years, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, three years. So that's a lot. People don't realize the one downside to natural bodybuilding is is hormonally. Uh, we definitely get a lot of hormonal things that happen to the body. Um, I've even heard things. My coach, Cliff Wilson's put up some, some kind of crazy statistics where during the course of a, a natural bodybuilding contest prep, our, our natural testosterone levels can literally drop up to like – Seven, I think it was like 60 to 75%. Really? So a lot of people don't realize going through the course of a contest prep and then coming out of the show, hormonally, we're still going to be kind of off. Yeah. So I feel like, and I, I've experienced this where I, I, don't, I feel like I don't feel completely, like my body doesn't feel completely normal until months, months, maybe like four or five months after uh, my contest preps. Yeah. So that's kind of the one downside to comparing like a, a natural competitor to as opposed to somebody that's on extra hormonal assistance. Yeah. They don't have to. They don't have to worry about that. Whereas we, we're just relying on our own body chemistry and your own. A, a human body does not. It is not healthy to be four or five percent body fat. You know what I mean? That's just things are gonna kind of your body's survival mode's gonna kick in, mm -hmm. and it's gonna kind of. That's why. I mean, it's just yeah. So that's the downside of natural bodybuilding is it, it kind of it can kind of take a hit hormonally on your body. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see because like testosterone is produced through cholesterol, which is I was gonna fat. say yeah. So with your keto thing, it might. So I, you might, I don't know. I'm yeah, curious. Be, Hopefully, it, I'll yeah. keep my testosterone levels high, <laughs> but it'll be it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah, you know, I don't know why my camera just shut off here. It's weird. 
and just keep Good. keep trucking. Okay. You want to go over yours now? My my first yeah. con. Are you done with yours? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, what, I mean, that what was just, some of the negatives? Like, was there oh. anything that just like struck you throughout the whole first competition prep? That's like, oh, this was terrible. I hate this. Never doing this again. I'm gonna change this for next time. No, I mean, I, I feel like everything, honestly, in it was was positive. I, um, looking back on it and stuff like that, I, it's funny too. I was like, at the time, I literally was trying to use uh, YouTube videos for posing. Yeah. And I look back, I have, I literally have videos on my YouTube channel still to this day, from when I was practicing, and oh my gosh, everything was so off. And luckily, I was at um, I was at my local. I was at a Gold's Gym in Scottsdale, and I think I was a week out from the show. And somebody was like, "Oh hey," they, they approached me, and "Are you competing soon?" I said, "Yeah, in a week." And they said, "Oh, um, who's is anybody helping you with your posing?" And they and they uh, referred me to a guy. His name was Ernie, and um, he kind of helped me out with uh, with some posing stuff, thankfully. But I was like totally scared fright on the posing stuff. It felt so awkward. Yeah. A lot of first time competitors will get this. People people always underestimate how hard it is to to learn, especially posing. for a first time show. The posing. Yeah. That's always so much. It, it's so much harder than it looks to get all of the muscle control and to balance and just all of that so and there should be no excuse to not have good posing on your first show like you have so much time put into it the worst thing is to like pull that work in and then but I feel like a lot of people they kind of lazy out on the posing and all they focus on is the workouts and the stuff and like all that stuff and all of a sudden show day comes and you can always tell the guys they're shaking oh mine's oh great what's yours saying internal temp high Oh, great. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with these cameras here. Our cameras are zoning out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first competition experiences for me. Miserable. Miserable. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Most people don't. I went, I was under the impression that I had to bulk up and get huge before I cut down. Cause that's what you see at all the pro bodybuilders do, you know? So I went from 115 is when I started working out. I bulked up to 230, so I was, and I'm 5'7", so 230, I was, I was pretty, yeah, pretty around. I had a big fat face. And then I gave myself three months, so 12 weeks to prep, and I lost, I thought, I bulked up 230 thinking I was going to compete at 200, and I competed at 153. <laughs> <laughs> So I lost the next one thing. Pounds. One thing we all underestimate is how much fat we need to lose. Oh yeah, it's give yourself plenty of time. I mean, I was starving myself. I went from six thousand calories a day bulking to I think at my lowest I was twelve hundred calories. Oh my gosh! And I was like in starvation mode. And I was full time college student working and prepping for my first show without a coach. And it was I'd literally be in the gym. Crying. I remember the last month I'd be crying as I was lifting because I'd be just like so depleted, so drained, and I'd just be beating myself up internally, and it was it was not good. Strength went down. I think I lost like a hundred pounds on my squats, um, and like on my meal plan. I don't remember where I even got my meal plan. I was using my fitness pal. <laughs> And I think initially, I don't remember what I was doing initially. At, at one point or another, I found uh, Lane Norton's article on bodybuilding.com mm. about peak week. At least you found a good resource there. Yeah, yeah. Now that, that was really good. But uh, that's why I like looked for some of my posing stuff, too. But for the, my, my diet was just, 
you know, very minimalistic. Like I would do cardio in the morning and then I would be so excited to open up this Tupperware and have like three spoonfuls of old cold oatmeal. Oh man. <laughs> you know, it was bad. And uh, yeah, motivation was gone. And then I think at, at, there were points that I'd be working out and I'd be so drained. I would like, it's kind of morbid to say, but I would like imagine somebody holding a gun to my head saying, oh, if you don't give me everything you got, I'm putting a bullet between your eyes. You know, that was like, that's what pushed me to make through the workout. And it was not, not healthy, not a healthy relationship with food or training or anything. And it was just a, a depressing, dark time for sure. And I remember the night of, the night before the competition, I was sitting in a hotel room. My best friend Charlie and my mom and my brother were with me. And like my mom was shaving me, you know, to get ready for the show. And I was literally like, the bodybuilding. sitting there almost like I almost just decided I wasn't gonna do the show the night before at the hotel room. Like that's how disgusted with myself. I wasn't confident in my ability to do well or anything. And uh yeah, it was pretty rough. It's pretty rough. But then after the show after I stepped off stage, I like sat there in the in the posing pump up room after everybody else had left and reflected on the whole process. And it was like this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, bar none, more mentally than physically. And I won I won. I got first place. But like to know that I put forth that work and determination and discipline and consistency for three months and then to succeed at the end of it all. It was like the most satisfying feeling I've ever experienced, and I haven't experienced anything since then that can match it, and then I've been hooked ever since. So yeah, you love that challenge. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I crave the challenge. I don't want yeah. an easy yeah. life, I want it to be hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's what, I mean, that's what I feel like a contest prep, there's nothing that will test you more about yourself, and that's why so many people fail, is because this is not, bodybuilding is not for the weak, for the weak, the mentally weak people. They no. cannot sustain it, they cannot do it. And I think, uh, especially for me, having a, a background in athletics, um, I feel like what's really helps with like mental discipline and things like that kind of molded me. Oh, mine's going off again, oh well. Molded me to kind of like be much more prepared and mentally suited for, for doing contest preps. Like I truly feel like I'm unbreakable yeah and like once i get once i once i flip the switch and go into contest prep i'm like this totally different person and all of a sudden it's like all right game on i'm like a robot <laughs> oh yeah and yeah it's yeah, machine mentally mode. i can't yeah. yeah i can't be broken i mean you hear so many people talking about oh, i can't sustain and diet and oh i can't i'm hungry and i'm like this is yeah. like part of the game yeah, I mean, anybody can stick to a diet to the T for a week, you yeah. know, or for a day or for a week. Yeah. But if you can stick to it consistently and fight through the hunger and, like, the the temptation to go out with your friends every single day consistently, you know, for the entirety of your prep, that's where it becomes difficult. That's where, like, that's what separates the men from the boys right there. Yep. You know? Because it's not... I mean, you can do anything for a week. Anybody can do anything for a week. But to do it for months at a time... That's where it gets hard. Yep, fight through the hunger. I mean, you got. That's where, like, a lot of times you're you're gonna have workouts where, 
your body just tells you it's like no your body's like no not feeling it but that's where you have to mentally push through it and still during contest prep you need to focus on giving those workouts 100 percent intensity because that's what's going to keep that muscle yeah. on your body the sooner the, so, the soonest you start letting your you know your fatigue and you know you're not gonna have as high energy levels and then all of a sudden you start letting up on all your workouts i feel like especially for for the natural competitor that's where muscle loss really really is prevalent oh yeah you know? people in my experience they like look for an excuse while they're in prep to train lighter or to like just half-ass things yep. you know like your body keeps that muscle because it needs that muscle and if you're not working to the same output that you were in the off season it doesn't need that muscle so it's going to get yep. rid of it exactly you know and i don't know like you're you're in a calorie depletion you're not getting as much sleep you're training harder you're doing cardio it's easy it's super easy to say oh i'm in prep i'm on mm -hmm. a deficit i'm going to half-ass this workout and leave early so i can eat my meal and go to sleep yep but to have that switch turned on and say, no, I'm going to go just as hard. I'm going to go harder than I did in the off season. I'm going to go harder than I've ever gone before. That is what makes you succeed. That's what gives you something to be proud of after you step off that stage. If you don't, and if you do half-ass it, then you, I mean, I don't know. Like the reason I'm so proud and so hooked is because I didn't give myself any excuses throughout the first prep. You know. Yep. Yeah. No. And to be honest, I mean, I, think I remember you showing me your your first show pictures, and you're actually in really really good condition. I mean, for a first show, I thought you looked great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Whereas you see a lot of guys in their first show, and you're kind of like, whoa. And they might say something like, well, yeah, bro, I was holding a lot of water. Yeah. Like, no, 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 holding no. A lot of water. You, you were shape. not. You were out of shape, bro. Like you just didn't give yourself enough time. Yeah. To get conditioned, whereas you know, I felt like you know, I'd, I'd say both of us for for first shows, we came in with 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 pretty damn good conditioning, which is a great thing right out of the gate for our first show. Yeah, you know, obviously we still had a lot to learn. Oh yeah, we you had know a lot what to I mean. Learn. We had a lot to learn, but I think for we our put first in the work show, though. Yeah, we put in the work. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But, yeah. All right. What What are some of the uh, Misconception. Let's talk about misconceptions for first count, first time competitors going in. Like, what to do with peak week, and what are some things that that we thought was right going in our first show that we've learned since is far from the truth. Okay, um, I would say I was kind of lucky at the time too because. At the time, I was kind of talking with with uh, with with Derek Charles Boy, who again he was associated with Cyvation. So I think at the time Lane Norton was as well. So a lot of principles and peak week protocols that Lane had used, Derek was a believer as well. So I was kind of lucky that right out of the gate, um, especially for a natural competitor, most people are gonna you know go with the the, the old school myth of like cutting water. Mm -hmm. That's like every okay, gotta cut water. If you look at every single bodybuilding peak week, you're gonna dehydration cutting water whereas that's the worst thing that a natural competitor can do is completely eliminate and cut out their water because as a natural competitor water actually helps fill us out yeah you know what i mean water is what helps us get that pump so if you see a lot of natural competitors that are dehydrated on stage you'll see a flatness and they'll tell you too they're like oh my god i was trying to like pump up and i couldn't even get a pump yeah because you're yeah. dehydrated mm -hmm. like i'm like you looked way better when you had water in you when i saw you a week out in the gym 
So I think that's one of the biggest things is like people that are cutting water. I'm luckily I, I've never cut water for a show. I've always cut my water in. And then I think a lot of people too, um, manipulating sodium. I think a lot of people would assume that salt is going to, to bloat them. Whereas salt is another thing too, that'll help uh, fill us out. Yeah, exactly. So I actually add sodium uh, on show day, like add salt to me to meals and stuff like that. I had you do that. Yeah. Um, so sodium and sodium and water for the natural competitor are actually great things to help fill us out. Did so. you rebound after? Oh, oh. Let's talk about that for a oh. second. A lot of people don't know about that. A lot of people don't talk about that. Oh man, I didn't even think you. about that when we were talking about first show experience. So, so here's what. Oh my gosh, this is bad. Because you gotta realize, so my first contest prep, it was pretty, uh, all the foods and everything, it was the traditional bro type meal plan. I mean, I was like Ezekiel toast. I wouldn't even, you know, uh, eat regular bread. It was all like, everything had to be super, super clean. I don't even know if I was using seasonings on my meat. It was that bad. Yeah. And so, obviously as soon as the show is over is when, okay, now all of a sudden the filter is gone of that, of that discipline. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh! So here, here was my rotation of restaurants that I attacked because <laughs> it wasn't one. <laughs> you went all in. Huh? Oh yeah, we went straight to In and Out Burger first, and I think I had two double doubles with uh, fries and a diet coke. That was always my staple, In and Out. And then I kid you not, I was at In and Out finishing my burgers, and I called Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I did like a medium or whatever pizza. So I went and picked that up, took that home. And I was just like, but one thing people don't realize is it's almost like that hormone that tells you uh, that you're full. Leptin. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. So you have this um, immaculate capacity to sit there and just eat and eat and eat and eat and not feel full, which yeah. is dangerous. Because all of a sudden I just had these two double cheeseburgers, fries, and I was still starving. So I went and I had like a pizza. I was still hungry. Oh yeah. So I had Cold Stone <laughs> down the street. So I went and got like a thing of Cold Stone. And I think, I can't, I think if it was one other thing, I might've got like a bag of candy or something like that. And so all of a sudden I devoured all this food. I can't remember if it was when like within like an hour or two. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden it like hit me and I freaking hurled. Really? Oh my God. Yeah, I hurled. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. wish I, I no, couldn't, I couldn't I hurt. Threw I tried. Up, man. It was horrible. Worst feeling ever was like when it kicked in and stuff. I was like, oh my God. And yeah. So yeah. bad, bad. We hope my whole family was there. We all went to a Red Lobster. It was right down the road from the venue of the show. And so we all were sitting around the table. And I think I ordered like three entrees. And then I had like, they had those uh, garlic bread things at Red Lobster, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. I yeah, ate yeah. like two baskets full of them. And then I think two or three different desserts. And they also had like these frozen lemonades, like these tall frozen lemonades. I think I had four of those. And I'm sitting there just eating like relentlessly. Cause and yeah, then, again, you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't get feel full. full. And my mom's watching me and she's just like watching my face get bigger as I'm talking to the family. And like that night at the hotel room, I couldn't throw up, I couldn't use the bathroom. It was all just, I think probably because I'd cut my water for that first show, yeah. my body was like a sponge. I just held on to all of that. And I literally just laid in the bathtub, an empty bathtub at the hotel room, and just 
tossing and turning. Couldn't sleep, couldn't throw up, couldn't use the bathroom, just stayed there in pain. And then the next day I woke up and I was like 20 pounds heavier, all that water weight. My face yeah. was like fat again, like 230 fat when I was in the off season. I'm like, three months, the hardest time of my life, totally wasted. You know, I was just going <laughs> to say that's the one thing that I think uh, you hear a lot about post uh post-competition prep depression and a lot of it what happens is because you're so used to these months whatever now seeing this amazing lean hard amazing physique in the mirror and then all of a sudden yeah you go out that post show and binge mm -hmm. and do all these things and in the matter of yeah literally 24 hours it can be gone yep after months and months of dieting and looking great and seeing all these striations and veins you go out and you get crazy and you binge and all that and then it's just so sad how that fast it's gone yep it's gone yeah i was i was depressed for like four months yeah and it wasn't just from that like i had like after that i had eating disorders like i would literally it's common in this not in this, know how to this, eat yeah field yeah i mean it was just like i would eat twenty thousand calorie meals man like oh, it was no man. joke yeah i would go to i think one time i went to a ihop and my ticket was 40 bucks for just me. <laughs> and I, I ordered yeah. chicken, fried steak covered in gravy with a waffle, and I ordered one of every kind of pancake on the menu. They make lots of pancakes at It's amazing, yeah. I was just going to say, it's pretty normal. I feel like, yeah, and I think, I, yeah, the, one of the, after one of my shows, I went to, like, a breakfast place uh, up here on the South Hill when it was Maggie's, and I was just, like, ordering breakfast, and I'm like, can I just get one of each, <laughs> one of each breakfast entree? The lady yeah. looked at me like... I'm like you don't understand. I just do this. Uh, you, you try you try to explain to a normal person and they don't get it. Yeah. But anybody that's like competed and gone through this this stuff, they can relate with like what we're going through. But the normal average person, yeah, has, like, looks at us like we're crazy. Cause I mean it's not normal no. to be able to eat what no. five people could eat. Exactly. But you find a way to stick it on there for some yeah. somehow or another. So that's pretty much first competition. That's good. Yeah. Right there. I think we kind of covered kind of covered everything. Is there anything else you feel like we need to... Well, I do want to talk about what we're doing for this prep. We can do this in my closet. Okay. <laughs> or we can do this in there. Because that's just come in the podcast. Okay, let's do it on the podcast. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, so welcome back to the podcast part two here. We got Colin Wolf and Robert Sykes. This part, we're going to kind of go into details about what we're doing for this prep moving forward. Um, you want to go ahead and just start us off there, Colin? Yeah. So again, this is going to be my uh, natural professional debut. Uh, first show as a pro. And uh, like I said, I did hire a new coach for this prep. I'm working with a guy. I believe he's out of Chicago. His name's Cliff Wilson. Um, and it, uh, what kind of really got me to want to work with Cliff was just kind of after following him for a few years in my contest prep, I... Um, I saw like all the crazy clients that he would, would prep and stuff like that. He'd post pictures of them and every single one you would just drop your jaw in awe of like how they looked and just kind of how he posted. I felt like he was um, just like, I know like everybody's all about like science, science, science nowadays and evidence backed, you know, coaching and all that stuff. But I felt like he was still kind of a mixture of, he still kind of believed in some of the, the old school kind of like true things that still I feel I still are like principles that are still true to this day he was a nice mixture of both and which I really respected that um and so um it's pretty much going to some of the like how's up um, I just kind of feel like he, he does a lot of things that some of the scientific crowd might say, you know, evidence-wise. Like, like for example, like immediately after my workout, I have a post-workout shake. 
where I feel like a lot of the science crowd has kind of like, I don't know, I feel like if you look at stuff, they, they might have like debunked that. They're like, oh, it's not really necessary as long as at the end of the day, you get your over total, your over, you know, your overall total pro- protein intake. That's what truly matters. Yeah. So I just feel like, but he, he just does, yeah, little variables like that, that maybe, maybe some of the science crowd might say is kind of like unnecessary. He still kind of like has his clients do that. Right. Um, and I feel like, again, it's just uh, the main thing, though, with, with hiring Cliff was he the main thing for me was he's still a flexible dieting coach, which basically means that uh, I have, which I love, this is I have the control um, of choosing like what foods I want to utilize, what meals, whatever. So I get that control as opposed to having a meal plan that says, okay, meal one, you have to have, you know, 12 egg whites and half cup of oatmeal. I can choose like, hey, you know what? I don't want to have any carbs in this meal maybe, or maybe I want to make some like uh, protein pancakes or whatever. I have the, the, it's my own, you know, allowance of food for the day that I get to fit my daily macronutrients, which if, if our viewers out there are unfamiliar, our macros are our protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So I get to choose what foods and meals to fill out my total um, macronutrients daily. And right now, I'm at uh, 280 grams of protein, uh, 210 carbs, and 52 grams of fat. And I do have one, well actually this week I'm gonna get two again. I'll have two higher carb uh, refeed days of, uh, I'll take in 430 carbs. So I'll pretty much double my low carbohydrate intake on these two high carb days. So if you were to define flexible dieting or IIFYM, if it fits you, your macros, yeah, what would you what would you define that as? Um, I would say it's the flex or the customization or the flexibility of allowing one to customize or individually choose their own uh, kind of meals or foods that fit into their lifestyle that at the end of the day, um, their overall, you know, macros, food intake is going to be suited to each individual's, um, whatever their goal is. Some people are trying to, to gain muscle, gain weight, get bigger. Uh, other people are trying to cut down, lose weight. So their total, you know, daily macros are going to be dependent on whatever their goal is. So utilizing if it fits your macros, to me, it just gives one so much more flexibility to, again, uh, I feel like sustain a diet better to where they can still learn that they can have a lot of their favorite foods um, in moderation because they have to learn to weigh and track them as opposed to, again, just you know the, the typical bodybuilding meal plan where you're only getting to eat chicken and sweet potatoes and oatmeal and broccoli and whatever. You know, a lot of people just can't sustain that. So I feel like having a flexible dieting approach and let, allowing people with more flexibility in their diet to have foods that they still enjoy. Like a lot of people see me, I, I try to make it pretty apparent on social media that every week I'm still eating pizza. I'm still making like homemade cheeseburgers. I eat a lot of uh, low fat ice cream, Yeah. Um, everything. I, I don't have like any, I mean, some things really are, people don't realize I can't go to like Domino's and order like a regular pizza because that would kill my, you know, it's too high in fat. Right. But you start, once you're really um, kind of 
of familiar with, I've been doing this for years now, kind of realizing what foods are a lot more, I call it macro friendly. So lower in fat, lower in carbs, you can find different alternatives uh, for pizzas and stuff like that, that can actually fit into your daily allowance of macronutrients. Yeah. So I'm technically flexible dieting myself then right yeah, now. Yeah, basically, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, even with your, your keto diet, you are choosing the keto meals and the keto foods that you want to eat. Yeah. Which is great. You yeah, know what I mean? Because exactly. to me, the, I, always, I will always, this is my favorite quote, the best diet for any of you, any of you listening to this, is one that you are going to adhere to and sustain. Absolutely. Period. Period. Absolutely. I don't care if it's keto. I don't care if it's flexible dieting. I don't care if it's the paleo diet or Weight Watcher or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's just whatever one that you are going to, you know, again, because a diet has to be a long-term commitment. You're not yeah. going to see the results you want in a week. Exactly. You know what I mean? This means to be something that you can maintain, you know, month in and month out. You know, even make it a lifestyle. Yep. Is that chair up against that leg of that table? Something bumping oh, up against it? Now we're, now we're not. All right, cool. A little background noise. That's all good. Yeah. So what uh, what is what is Cliff got you doing now that you haven't used in previous preps? Or what's some of the – because I know, like, from what little I've talked to you about it, mm-hmm. he he does – like, a lot of people, especially during peak week um, – he kind of does like a back-end load, basically. Okay. Yeah, I'll explain that. And I think this, honestly, uh, Cliff, it, 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 well, he said this too. He doesn't do this approach with everyone. The only people that he will utilize uh, this approach on is the bodybuilder that comes in just complete. You have, for this approach to work, you have to come in completely 100% peeled. If you come in and you still have some fat to lose, I don't think he does a different approach as far as the carb load. But, and obviously the goal of mine is to come into peak week just completely, I mean, you are like as shredded as you can be. And if that's the case, then he'll do, yeah. So it's called a rapid backload. And Cliff's kind of famous for this to where um, he's posted some, some stats on a lot of his clients where, so into peak week, you're completely depleted all the way until the night before the show, so Friday. So Friday comes and he has posted things like the clients are getting like five to seven grams of sodium. They're taking in like two to three gallons of water and anywhere from like a thousand to like 1200 carbs the night before the show. <laughs> what about fats and protein? Are they just consistent? Um, I'm not exactly, I'm sure they, yeah, I'm sure they probably stay like probably similar to where you were at in prep. You know what That's I mean? True. Like I'm sure my protein would, uh, actually I, I might take it back. He might drop, he might drop, I could see him dropping protein down a decent amount, maybe down to like, I'm at 280, let's say maybe he drops my protein down to like 220, 230, something yeah. like that. Uh, Cause my protein does drop down on my refeed days, on my, hard car- on my high carb days, he does drop my protein down from 280 to 240. But my fat stays the same. So basically, <clears throat> like in your prep thus far, you've been prepping now for what, 17 weeks is it? Uh, oof. I think this might be, it's a, I started September 1st, so we're four months and yeah, almost 17 weeks. So, <clears throat> so far in your prep, the the technique has been kind of like, you all had a starting macros, was that similar to what you were doing naturally or did he put you on the starting macros or? Yeah, no, yeah, he started me out on, um, you know, yeah, just kind of like a starting macros. I didn't start out with any cardio out of the gate. But one thing I did realize, he started me out pretty high. I think I started out at like 410 carbs. And one thing we realized was I had to make some pretty fast. I couldn't I couldn't drop sufficiently enough on that high of a car- carb intake. 
some guys can I couldn't and so I felt like right out of the gate within like the first couple weeks um, I was already down to like end of the 200s uh, yeah I remember your, your post on that yeah, yeah and yeah. then your fats and proteins what were they um, I think I still this whole prep I've been at the, 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 the 280 protein has stayed the same but my fat yeah has definitely I think when we started I was at least at like 65 or so or 60 around there and now we've budgeted down to 52 and so it's been at 52 for a while week over week um he just slowly tapers based off of what your body's doing on the scale. Yes, and but I feel like now I've been pretty much on the same macros for a while now. And this is one thing you'll realize is I always tell people, like, I have clients that I'm coaching. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know right. what I mean? So I think I've, I feel like I've, for now, for weeks now, I don't know how many exactly consecutive, uh, consecutive weeks it's been, I've been on the same uh, 280 protein, 210 carb, 52 fat, um, zero carb cardio for it's I don't know it's like it's been like a month or longer really yeah it's been that long and your weight's still dropping by yep. the way yeah that's the thing though I mean even even Cliff has said he's like man I can't believe like how just how easy you're dropping each week it's just been like effortlessly how things have just progressed yeah that's good. That's good. It, yeah. and that's what you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, to me, I love it. Because as long as, as, long as, as long as I keep making the necessary drops each week, that means that my food, that's everybody, everybody, every bodybuilder and prep, they want to keep their food as high as possible. So that means at least I know that my food is not going to get, you know, lowered. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I keep making the necessary drops each week because if not like if all of a sudden I I don't lose any weight in a week then yeah he is going to adjust things to either have a lower food intake or start adding in more cardio cardio what um what is that goal taper on your body weight like a half pound a week or what I uh, know. I think. I think. Um, out of the gate, he definitely. One thing with with Cliff that I really probably learned from him this contest prep compared to what I had done in the past was he he's a lot more aggressive out of the gate. So even though I started 32 weeks out, which seems like such a long time for a contest prep, right in the beginning, again, like I said, I started at 410 carbs and I felt like within the first three four weeks I was already down to like 220 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, pretty 230. crazy. So it was a huge drop and you're like oh my god but bro we're like third we're still 30 weeks out why i'm like why are we doing this he's like trust me he's like you want to be more aggressive out of the gate like this when muscle loss isn't as prevalent as opposed to when we're let's say four three two weeks out all of a sudden when you start making those crazy drops in calories and all of a sudden your cardio is increased that's where your body when you're at a much lower body fat that's where you're at risk for a lot more muscle loss that makes sense yeah that you know sense. what i mean so it was all strategy by him being a lot more aggressive in those you know at the very beginning to where now what's awesome is the payoff now we're, now we're towards the middle of the prep i'm getting the reward of like still zero cardio and now I've, this is my second week now where i'm getting double high carb refeeds so this is kind of a benefit. And what what are your what are your macros on those refeeds? Uh, two hundred and forty protein, uh, four hundred and thirty carbs, and my fat actually does go up a little bit. My fat goes up five grams. My fat goes up to fifty seven grams, which is nice. You won't realize just that extra boost of five grams of fat. Yeah, is nice. It really helps. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna be the. There's not gonna be any crazy 
transitions happening in between. You got that tapered down until a week out, and then do yeah. I mean, I think it's honestly, possibly. I think what, what he kind of he kind of plays these these double kind of double refeed, just kind of depending on where we're at and kind of what my weight does and stuff like that. Like last week, I only had one one carb refeed, but then this week, he's like, you know what, with where we're at and how we're looking, he's like, let's do two again. What does the uh, like? Is there any kind of biomarkers that you're getting and telling him that spurs him to do those refeeds? Uh, I think it's the through the every every two weeks uh, I send him progress photos uh, every week I send him my weekly weigh-ins um, so I think he's he's gauging it off what my weight is doing and then again seeing uh, my progress photos and kind of gauging kind of where we're at with that is kind of where he's like kind of gauges I think to where he kind of implements you know the refeeds and if, if we need like the double refeeds and stuff like that yeah but one thing that people don't realize is like people, I'm getting a lot of feedback of people thinking that I'm uh, way ahead or already ready and it's completely, people that know, like you yourself, you know bodybuilding, I, I'm very realistic and I still have, even Cliff in my last uh, email with him, he thinks I still possibly might have 10 to 13 pounds yeah. still to go. <laughs> so it's yeah, a good it's, amount of weight still. Yeah, yeah. You know, all, all these people are like, you know, seeing my pictures on uh, social media and stuff. They're like, bro, you're ready. You can compete now. And I'm like, no. we must have different. <laughs> we must have different standards in conditioning yeah. because, no, like I still, like I said, I still, I still definitely need these next. Uh, we're what? Uh, we're uh, 14 weeks out on Saturday. I definitely still need these these uh, 14 weeks to get everything dialed in to how I want it. And I have like a vision of how I want to look. I'm, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. You know, and we we have that vision, goal, physique, you know, conditioning that we want to shoot for. And so I'm really trying to like now at the pro level, I really feel like I need to up my game for this show. So I'm really really trying to hit like a total new um, level of conditioning that I've never hit before. Well, I think you can do it. I don't I don't know what you look like this far out at your previous shows, but I mean. Definitely ahead. Definitely stage. ahead. Yeah. That's one thing that, um, and this is for any of you uh, up and coming or current, you know, bodybuilders and stuff like that. Uh, one thing that I can really kind of teach you guys that I've kind of like, I feel like is one of the best things that I've ever done as a bodybuilder is having um, each contest prep that you do. So get tons of data as far as like, you know, okay, every single, maybe every two weeks you're taking bundles of progress photos. Make sure you save those photos. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I do a YouTube channel. And so contest preps, I'll document and I'll do like posing videos. So what's awesome is throughout this whole entire contest prep, I've been able to go back to my 2013 prep and see like, okay, so 14 weeks out, like right now I can go on YouTube and find a 14 weeks out posing video of where I was at in 2013. Yep. And all of a sudden I can look back and compare, okay, I can see where my conditioning was and my what my weight was, I have all my weigh-ins you know, still tracked and I kept those. So it's just awesome data for you to go back and always kind of compare to, to make sure it's like, hey, because if all of a sudden you're looking back on your last show prep and you're behind that and you don't look as good, that's something that's gonna tell that's a red flag yeah, yeah you're doing absolutely. something wrong <laughs> yeah you should be progressing and getting you know better with each uh, show prep that you do so for me it's just been really rewarding to kind of go back to my to my last contest prep and be able to compare you know I can compare 
side-by-side photos. I posted some of those on Instagram for people just to see the changes. And then again, just having posing videos and seeing like, okay, yes, I'm definitely ahead of the game in conditioning and all that stuff. It's just, I feel like you see a lot of bodybuilders, I feel like go through contest preps and they have like no data to show for it. And so it's like, how do you compare and make sure that you're progressing? Because you don't have any previous, like anything to look back on. And it's kind of hard, I think, for first time competitors because they, they know they're not there yet and they're like hesitant to take pictures while they're prepping because they want to just get the end product but it's very true but very that, true but again that's something have you to, need to yeah. do yeah I mean again for any of you guys that are listening to this if you can learn something and you know before you even start like you know write this down because it's something that if, if you really want to be in this sport for the long run but, these are yeah. tools and things that are really really going to help you out I've been a this this past this this prep first time I've ever done it um I'm taking all my measurements there bi-weekly. Yeah, my, so that's something I've never done. I've never done measurements. Yeah, I, I never have either. I, and I'm doing my body fat. And this is actually the first competition I've ever used a food scale in. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> right. I still can't believe that you didn't use one when I... when I For those of you who aren't familiar, I prepped Robert for his last his last show that he did really well in. And uh, I think you told me that. Yeah, you kind of eyeballed things, right? No, I didn't eyeball yeah. I would just I was really meticulous, but I'd always just, you know, base it off of the measurement on the container or the uh, the, the quantity in the okay. container on the label. Okay. So like I would get, I would purchase stuff that was, you know, listed like, um, I don't know, like one can of tuna and then I would just ration that out. I see. But I never weighed it. Mm. But, uh, with this stuff, hard though, it was like certain, like what if you were measuring like a cup of, or a serving or you wanted to have like three servings of oatmeal and that should be 120 grams. How would you know it's 120 grams? I would like. I Are you no use a measuring cup? Yeah, I use measuring oh, okay, cup. Like okay, I'd, okay. I'd measure things. I just never weighed them. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the food's gonna be nice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like it's quite, well, especially for if you're gonna do like an if it fits your macros or flexible dieting approach, you have to have a scale because yeah. everything has to be uh, accurate to make sure that we're staying within the certain macro ranges that we need to stay in. So that way, when I have clients and stuff like that, you know, weigh in, I need to make sure that those weigh-ins are an accurate kind of baseline of the macros that I have yeah. them on. Yeah, it's really deceiving. Chris Elkins has posted several pictures lately where he'll have like uh, I think, I don't know where he's getting the pictures, but like somebody will be holding a handful of like cashews. Oh, I've seen those. Okay, I've yeah. seen those. And yeah. it's just like the eye I mean, it looks pretty similar, but one's like three times as much mm-hmm. calories as the other. You know? Oh yeah, so, so, yeah. if you use something like nuts that are very calorie dense, yeah. then yeah, that can really make a big difference. Huge difference. Yeah. And all that, I mean, that's that's why the frustration is with people you know, they, they say they're on a diet and they say they're been in a diet for X amount of time and then they're not seeing results because they're not no. you know, they're not on the money. I mean know? that's the biggest thing that I have to you know, persuade people is like literally the best the best diet um, or the best advice I give them is like literally tracking their food intake. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the true difference. Everybody wants to like, you know, beat around the bush and not have to do that. And they all think that they're going to, okay, I'm going to keep chaining. I'm, they always think it's like they're going to change their training program and yeah. that magically is going to get them to where they want to go. One of the best quotes is you can't out or what is it? Or you can't out diet a bad training program or 
It's one of these things where, yeah, it's you can't basically... can't train a bad there diet. There you go. Yeah, you can't out-train a bad diet. My bad. That's what I meant to say. So, basically, because I remember even myself, before I before I had done my first show and my first diet, I kept like, man, this this training program, I'm not looking how I want. Yeah. So, I'm going to switch. This training program, it still never got me to look how I wanted to look. I didn't finally look how I want... I didn't finally see that look that I wanted in the mirror until I applied the diet. Yeah. It exactly. really is all of the diet. And, again, it really is the hardest part for most people to actually kick drive themselves mentally into gear and get that going and sustain it. Most people fail right out of the gate. Fitness and nutrition and training is so macro and micro. Like you can look at it in both both perspectives. I mean, like some people get so caught up in the training programs. They want to have the most, you know, fine-tuned to the rep, to the weight, mm-hmm. everything exact. The RPE scale now. And all yeah, stuff. but at the end of the day, if you're going in there and you're busting your ass, you're going to see results. You know, yeah. that's the macro look. And same thing with nutrition. Um, but, you know, on the same extent, you know, micros where you're going to really be able to fine-tune, make those adjustments and see the results quickly. Um, so, yeah, very different, very yeah, different. I feel like one of the most, um, uh, I was just talking about this with one, of my, with one of my teenage clients the other day. I think one of the most underrated aspects that a lot of bodybuilders or upcoming bodybuilders uh, fail to implement is intensity. Yeah, in the training or in in the training, everything in the training. Yeah, if we're going into the training, I feel like I can sit there and watch certain competitors in the gym, and I'm just like, man, I don't see any, I don't see any drive or like passion in what they're doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. As to where I feel like you'll see a trend where you look at a lot of the top, let's say, just like in our in our field, top natural body, or not, you know, top natural bodybuilders, and man, you see these guys, like when they train, like look at like a Doug Miller yeah. or something like that, and it's like, oh my God, you watch him train, and you can just freaking feel the intensity through the video that you're watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that um, we both have a good grasp on as far as like when we train, it's like, man, we both like flip that switch, and you you can just tell people when they watch us they can tell that like we're training with like passion like we love what we do like we put all of our effort into those training sessions where a lot of people i feel like it's just like they're going through the motions yeah you know what yeah. i mean and that is that's just like another undervalued aspect that people that kind of what separates the people that are like doing really really well in this game and those that still aren't there yet yeah yeah, no, you have to go in with an intensity for sure. And it's just like a switch that has to be flipped. Like you can't, you know, try and have both spectrums. You know, you have to just go all in with it. That, that's how I operate anyways. Yeah, I'm yeah. a switch. You know, it's, I'm either on or I'm off. Yep. And in contest prep mode, I'm on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially during contest prep where I feel like, yeah, you got to really kind of, like, again, yeah, I always call it just flipping a switch. And it's like every single – that's what I love, though, about a contest prep is because I feel like every single workout now is, like, so much – more kind of maximized to like make sure that like everything is like spot on yeah and like freaking on point you know what yeah I mean? and and there's like some days where I'll, I'll come to the gym and i won't feel like i can't listen to my body lately i've been a lot more instinctive this past year which is something that's changed a lot for me is i'll i'll listen to my body and if i'm in like a mood that's just to lift heavy stuff and and go crazy and train like you know ronnie coleman style that's what i'll do but if i'm in a more like 
reflective mood. I'll still train with the same intensity, but it'll be in a different fashion. It'll be focusing more on like the contraction, the squeeze, and really listening to the muscle. Mm-hmm. But intensity either way is there, yeah, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, both of those, uh, like for example, what you just kind of listed off, that was basically exactly how I uh, implement my training. Um, I literally have like uh, days or certain body parts that I'll actually, uh, Cliff, uh, he does my training program and we call, think of like the power, the really heavy type stuff, we call that overload workouts. So for example, last night I did like a delt overload workout. So everything was heavy heavy four to seven reps. So you're gonna push some heavy weight if you're going that lower reps. Yeah. But then after delts, I had back, and the back was a blood volume workout. So that's a lot more um, high reps. So 14 to 20 reps, and then think slow tempo, mm-hmm. like one, two, three, one, two, like really slow rep ranges, and just squeezing the back. So I feel like it's great for competitors to kind of split up, because if you're sitting there always trying to go balls to the walls. Well, that's not sustainable. It's just not. And plus, you're just going to tax the heck out. Your CNS, your central nervous system and stuff like that is going to get completely taxed. And I just feel like, yeah, you're going to get burnt into the ground super fast where I think it's just really nice to have a great mixture of intensities where, yeah, some days you definitely need to do those heavy power type days and go heavy and push yourself. But then some days it is great just to go higher rep, really focusing on contracting and squeezing the muscle and things like that. It's like best of both worlds. I think applying both. Everybody wants to know like the sec- the the secret. Like we have some type of secret rep range. Yeah. No. Like what's the magical? I always get asked that. Colin, like what reps do you work in? I'm like all of them. Yeah. You exactly. know what I mean? I, I implement all. I listen to the body, man. Yeah. And there'll, there'll be. I've been trying to do the FST seven. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, man. I remember doing that way back in the day. I think in early mid or 2000. I'd say 2009, maybe a Haney Rambod or whatever. He's the coach. Yeah. Of like he's, Mr. Olympia. Yeah, yeah, that's I, the com had like an article on it, and uh, so I figured I'd try it. I only do, I only pick like one or two exercises. It's per, at the end of the workout, right? Isn't it? Or, I don't think it has okay. to be oh. in the end. I'll kind of sprinkle it through, but I'll pick like a more of more of a uh, you know isolated movement, and then I'll just focus on the contraction and do because I like to do high reps anyways. Yeah. But I like to do heavy weight too, so I'll try and meet in the middle somewhere and just get that. And it's really good for like the blood flowing in that last pump at go. the end of the workout. Yeah, I think. Uh, one, one misconception too though is when a lot of people they're, they're going to hear us say high reps and so a lot of people translate that to okay high reps means really lightweight no 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 no, no, no. no. <laughs> like even though I'm shooting for like 14 to 20 reps I'm trying to do the heaviest weight that I can yeah. do for 14 to 20 reps yep. so I think that's another misconception with a lot of people is because I you know I thought there's old school myths that say in order to cut down you need to do high or uh, lightweight high reps yeah which, which is, is completely false that totally. is a myth <laughs> I, I could honestly I don't train. I don't change my training style at all throughout the entire prep no, as I yeah. do in the off season. My, my training style is the exact same. No, I feel like that's what what like what got you there in the off season is what's gonna like stay and stick. Your mu- like your muscle and stuff like that. What's gonna get your muscle to stay is keep doing what you were doing yep. in the off season and stuff like that. It's the people that like we talked about earlier. It's the people that try to sit there and let off the gas mm-hmm. and start you know 
lowering their training intensity and their volume and all that stuff. I feel like that, especially for the natural competitor, where one of our biggest fights is trying to preserve our, uh, our lean muscle tissue, we really, really need to be much more persistent on our training and making sure that we're still like, you know, balls to the walls, staying heavy, staying intense throughout, you know, until literally I'm pretty much do that all the way up until maybe a week, you know, yeah, 10 days can. out. I'm pretty much, you know, still shooting for going as hard and as heavy as I can. I mean, contest prep to me is all an equation, you know, and you have your variables in there and you have your constants. And the, the more constants I have, the better, because then I can... I can adjust and have a really good gauge on what's changing what. If my training stays constant, then I can adjust the food or the cardio, you know, to, to reprimand whatever goal I want. But if my my training becomes a variable as well and everything starts changing, then what do I have to measure? Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I can't be consistent with anything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for you, for you though too. Like, uh, you're doing all of this solo, so you're kind of you're kind of like customizing. I feel like your strategy, kind of week to week, it sounds like, on how you're implementing certain changes and maybe your nutrition and your cardio and all those things. Well, my my kinda cardio. How you feeling? Like, I, I'll just talk a little bit about my okay. my prep. My my cardio. I'm not even doing cardio either right now. I started pretty lean though. I was at I think nine percent body fat when yeah, I started that's prep. That's difference, yeah. And uh, I'll do maybe one stairmaster session a week on the the days of leg day just to get my blood flowing throughout that day. Um, but I'm not doing cardio yet. My um, I'm doing the keto diet, so high fat, moderate protein. I'm at 118 grams of protein right now, um, 20 grams of carbs, and 200 grams of fat. Um, and I basically just tapering those by about five grams a week just to see how my body adapts. Mm-hmm. And I've been just consistently dropping weight. Um, but all of my lifts have gone up. I've PR'd yeah. three times in three weeks on deadlift, oh, yeah, which man. is cool yeah, for me. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't felt hungry and haven't felt tired. Mentally, I'm alert. So you're how many, you're how, how many weeks in are you now? Uh, this is the fifth week, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I still feel like right. I mean, fifth five weeks into prep, I'm be, I'll be curious to see kind of once you get you know let's say uh, a lot closer to the show if 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 your hunger levels on the keto diet will significantly increase or if it's if you really learn that it was much more controlled yeah. compared to when you were on you know lower carbs like when I prepped you this would be kind of a cool thing for you to be able to kind of to gauge kind, yeah. yeah to gauge and compare and kind of see because I feel like yeah most I mean I I will say though i feel like this contest prep one of the most um i've been a lot smarter with um i call it like stretching my food intake so being able on my low carb days even though my low carb i'm 210 carbs i don't know some people might call that low some people might not but for me i call it pretty low um i feel like though i use strategy though in trying to stretch those 210 carbs as much as possible so i've been utilizing things like cauliflower Mm -hmm. where you know i can have you know, 200, 200 grams of, I'll make like mashed cauliflower every night and make this big pile of mashed cauliflower that's only like, I think it's like 10.6 carbs. Yeah. You know oh, what oh, I mean? Yeah. And I'll use like a, a bread that only has like eight carbs per slice. Um, so things like that where you're, you're really, you're really stretching mm-hmm. those 210 carbs um, as much as possible. I feel like that has really helped control my hunger this prep where to be honest, it hasn't even been, I'm, 
yeah, almost 17 weeks in dieting and my hunger levels actually haven't been, I mean, obviously I have days where I'm kind of like, oh man, I'm really hungry, but it hasn't right. been that bad at all. That's good. That's Which good. I think again is, is a reward though of how I'm strategically stretching, stretching that out. you know, with, with the foods, you know, nutrient dense type foods and stuff like that. Even though I, even though I have the flexibility, if I wanted to have like a pop tart, yeah. I will never, ever, ever have a pop tart <laughs> during this contest prep because to me, it is the biggest waste of yeah, carbohydrates. So I'm going to eat that and then, in, you know, in one minute I'm going to regret it because it didn't do anything as far as, you know, satiety in my stomach and things like that. So to me, it's like um, I would never waste, you know, 75 carbs on two Pop-Tarts right. when I could have a ton of, you know, oatmeal or <laughs> cauliflower or low-carb bread. You know, I could have like freaking eight, you know, nine slices of, yeah. of you know. It's the I volume make, yeah, more so the than volume. the flavor that yes, you're That's what I'm saying though. It's overall, this is what I kind of, yeah, the food volume that's where a lot of these you'll see other competitors that I'm really trying to teach them like how important because if you're sitting there wasting all your carbohydrates on simple processed type you yeah. know foods you are going to be so freaking miserable because you starving. are going to be yeah you're going to be starving all throughout the day and it's your own fault because it's your own fault for like you know utilizing those foods when you can be so much smarter and eating you know even you know eating a lot of you know I make I make big big bowls of salads mm-hmm. I'll do like a big serving of like uh, spinach and then I'll just take like like regular mixed green salad and do like 100 grams of that and then I add in mushrooms mushrooms are another good volume type food um, I'll add slice up pickles um, a lot of pickles yeah pickles man I love pickles too <laughs> and then I use like a fat free Italian dressing yeah. so I have these big big salads every single night that I feel like you're just it's just bottomless bowl of like this lettuce yeah. but it really helps fill up your stomach and make you you know kind of trick yourself to feeling yeah. full and that, and, that, and that is like such a huge deal uh, during contest prep, that, that's that's one big differentiating factor between you know eating carbs and keto because keto at nine uh, calories per gram of fat, whereas carbs are only four. Yep, yep. It's much denser for less volume, but it digests much slower, yeah. so you stay full longer. Yeah, so it's kind sense. of a trade off in volume and like digestion rate. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's just I'm I'm curious to see how my hunger levels go yeah. at, towards the end as well. But um, I mean, I'm considering, you know, even playing with the idea of incorporating intermittent fasting into it and having all of my calories between, you know, one or two meals and basically oh, wow. fasting throughout the whole morning. And then, I don't know, I might have to experiment to see if that works better, eating that meal before workout or after workout. Yeah. Um, or what? I would think, but, I would think, I would think post-workout. Yeah. That'd be, a lot of, that'd be a lot of food to take in. I mean, I guess the, I, I, you'd have to give yourself a lot of time. I feel like to let that digest before, for, if you were to do that, especially with it being fat, you know, I mean, yeah. I would need to eat it like five hours before. Yeah, workout, I was gonna you know? say, yeah, because if you were trying to do that like an hour, hour and a half before, yeah, it, wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be in my system. <laughs> That's usually when I have my pre-workout meal. I usually give myself like an hour to an hour and a half of digestion time. Yep. you know, to let my food digest. So if I was like trying to take in all of that food, you know what I mean, like. But it's it's crazy how like the volume in your stomach affects your hunger throughout the whole day. Like when I, on my first show, I'd be eating seven meals a day, but each would be like just the tiniest Tiny, amount. Yeah. And then I would never feel full. And then I would just, like my hunger would just keep, you know, growing and growing throughout the day. Whereas if I was to just have one meal, maybe two, but each of those meals actually filled me up, 
then I'd probably be able to go for much longer. Yeah, I mean that's where I mean, then, and that's I mean that kind of goes into like another, I feel like topic of like meal frequency and everybody kind of wants to know that magical number of like you know is it six you know the, the whole myth is like it's got to be six meals a day. Yeah, six meals a day, and that's complete. Science can pretty much you know debunk that myth that again it doesn't matter if it's if it's four meals a day, if it's five meals a day, or if it's six meals a day. Yep. You know what I mean? That's the great thing that I feel like that I've kind of learned over the years. I don't have to like stress so much about these little kind of like meticulous things that people used to like kind of like push on us. They're like, hey, you have to get six meals in a day. You have every to. Every three hours, or, every, yeah, hours. every three hours. I'm like, no, we were just talking earlier how I had my first meal, I think it this morning. I didn't have it until maybe 11 this morning and I won't have my next meal maybe until like three or four. Yeah. I don't have to eat every two, three hours. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'll go four or five hours without having a meal and that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, as long as I hit my targeted, you know, macronutrients and things like that, that's what matters at the end of the day. I mean, within a 24 hour period, your body pretty much is getting all the nutrients within that yeah. period yep. in, you know? Yep. And like when I'm in the off season, I'm, I'm doing my uh, keto coffee in the morning with like four tablespoons of butter in it oh my god I'll, I'll drink that and i won't even eat until you know sometimes one o'clock in the afternoon yeah no i'm, I'm yeah i usually yeah i don't i don't i'm not like I'm, I'm not when i still to this day yeah it's kind of surprising i feel like in my year in my contest preps past i would wake up like starving and so as soon as i would like get up i had to like immediately eat breakfast yeah because i was so starving but this contest prep it's been weird i feel like in the mornings um I'm just like, I have my coffee and I start on my work and all that stuff. And I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, it's already, it's already like one o'clock yeah. and I haven't even had my first meal. <laughs> you know it's it's I mean? good when you're not like, when your life is not run by food. Yes. Yes. You know, that's like, like a huge so many people are thing. on this like timer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, timer went off. It's three hours. Gotta ease. Yeah. You know that's I mean? not a sustainable lifestyle no, either. No, it's not. No, it's not. And and I think that uh, actually one thing that you might respect is uh, my first meal of the day that's been pretty much consistent now for a, a while now, this contest prep, is I don't have any carbs. My first meal of the day is actually two whole eggs and six egg whites, and that's it. Yeah. I don't have any carbs in that first meal. Do you know who uh, John Kiefer is? Uh, I do not. He's. No. Have you heard of uh, carbohydrate backloading? Like... And it's kind of carb backloading was, I guess, first popularized by Kiefer. Okay. Um, he had like carb night solution, and then he had carb backloading, and that's basically like the the original ice cream diet, you know, where you eat a lot okay. of really high glycemic index carbs right before you okay. go to bed. Okay. But then you wouldn't eat carbs throughout the first half of the day. I see. Okay. And that's what I actually did right after this past show, and then I transitioned from that to keto. But uh, yeah, his his. He kind of like popularized the whole theory that basically you're, um, I forget what he said exactly, but uh, you're, you're in a fat burning state until you introduce carbs. Um, so the longer you can prolong that in the morning, like you're saying about not yeah, having yeah. carbs for breakfast, you're just... Yeah, I don't have my first carb meal until, like I said, usually uh, I'd say anywhere from like, I'd say probably around, I have my, my pre-workout meal usually around like now about five o'clock and I do, uh, it's been pretty consistent now for a while. I'll do... Uh, two uh two servings of oatmeal and i add some like uh walden farms pancake syrup in that like a dash of cinnamon i'll do a rice cake with a quarter serving of almond butter on it and then i just do eight ounces of chicken breast 
that pre-workout meal stayed pretty consistent now for I don't know how many months. It's just I don't know what it is. The the oatmeal for me is just very high volume. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like I love the oatmeal because I feel like it just kind of sits in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I've been doing I've been doing the pre-workout oatmeal, but again, yeah, I don't I don't have my first carbs until five o'clock at yeah, at night. You know what that's I mean? pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's going through. That's, that's keto. That's <laughs> similar to keto right there. Yeah, keto like. <laughs> and I mean, one thing I will say too is I kind of have, although I've never done a keto diet, I feel like when I explained earlier about my very first show prep, I did a, a low carb, high fat diet to where I was taking in, I think it was at least 100 grams of fat per day. And I look back on that first contest prep, and one thing I did, I look back on, I feel like my hunger levels, I felt great on a low carb, high fat. Yeah. You know what I mean? I look back on it and um, I'm like, I saw, I was still amazed at like how good I felt. I remember telling myself that because I, I, th- I figured too, I'm like, man, on this low, everybody was telling me like how low my carbs were and how, how high, like, bro, your, your fat's like so high, but um, I felt great on that. So one of the things like, honestly, the thing that I like most about keto more so than like the physical is just the mental clarity and like the, the feeling you have like when you're eating carbohydrates your insulin's going crazy throughout the day it's just sporadic yours is not so much if your first carb meal is not till 5 o'clock which yeah, is good yeah, yeah. but like the people that wake up they have breakfast for the first meal and throughout the day they have like sweets or like some yeah. kind of carbohydrate like their insulin's going over the place so by eating like fats which you know digest much more slowly and they don't affect your insulin near as much my energy levels and my like mental clarity is just like regulated throughout the day on a pretty consistent rate so I just feel good all day long which is nice I mean it it makes sense I think that um, I think it's funny because I think a lot of people would expect me to like I had I was like talking to somebody I was talking to Jake last night and he was talking about I think kind of like I think a lot of people would expect me maybe to like talk negatively on like the keto diet or something like that but it's like I something that I personally have never done so I have like no experience for myself I'm never gonna you know talk negatively about uh, a keto type diet I mean the one thing that I will say is um, I feel like for myself uh, when you say something like and this again this is just me kind of like my kind of like initial kind of like perception when you're like okay I'm only on 120 grams of protein yeah to me that seems kind of scary yeah for a for a bodybuilder like going in a contest prep where you know like your protein needs to be I feel like higher right so I mean that's one thing where I feel like okay if I'm gonna sit there and people want me to probably debate a little bit that'd be one thing that I'd be kind of like a little kind of like cautious about is kind of the the lower protein um but again though i mean with with that high of fat intake i mean that's just like it's crazy because again uh, look at the difference between us i'm on 280 grams of protein and you're on what 120 uh, yeah, 20 grams. Protein. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a big, that's a big variation. Yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, you're a little bit taller and yeah, but, but I, I mean, mean still, all in all, I mean, all in all, though, a it's, a big, it, it's a big flip flop of, uh, of like protein and stuff like that, which I feel like as bodybuilders, what's our number one macro? Every, oh, you really protein. Protein, 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 like protein is the most essential macronutrient. Da, 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 da. So I feel like, um, if anything, that would be the one thing that would kind of stick out to me would be like, okay, but again, though and i know this is like your first your first contest prep you know kind of experimenting yeah, I'm, I'm human guinea pig right yeah here. you're a, a, a human guinea pig and, and and one thing i told i told robert you know I, one thing i really respect about what he's doing is is 
he's somebody that um, when I prepped him, you actually really responded well to, I mean, physique-wise, how you looked, uh, to higher carbs. I mean, throughout the duration of when I prepped you, you were like at least mid to high 200s, I feel like, weren't you, for the most yeah, I don't think I ever of that prep? Yeah, I mean, which is a good amount of carbs, especially for somebody your size. And um, and obviously, in the end result, it was amazing. I mean, literally, in your second show, you were right there in the mix with Lionel for a pro card. Yeah. So you're somebody that you had a great result with one method, yet you're still sticking to your guns and, you know, keto and, and going through with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know I'm I mean? not discredited using carbs. Like, yeah, I think it's yeah. a viable yeah. option for sure. I mean, I've I've seen great results with it. Everybody, every, I mean, I don't know of any keto bodybuilders. So up to this no, point, yeah, everyone else either. has done pretty well with carbs yeah. as well. I'm just trying to push the envelope and see what else is out there. Yeah. And if it works, it works, you know. But like I said, to me, it would it would have made a lot more sense if, let's say, when I prepped you on carbs and stuff like that, you still felt like you didn't attain the look that you wanted, so you were looking for a new approach. I mean, you had great results with one approach, yet you're still sticking to your beliefs on keto. And I'm saying I, I, that's one thing that I really respect is because you're still, you know, going through with that, even though you had success yeah. with a higher, you know, call it a higher carb type approach yeah so like i said i think i think all of us other people especially all of us in the natural bodybuilding realm this is something that's kind of very you know exciting for us to kind of follow because you are kind of being a, a, a kind of a human guinea pig here and so it'll be a this will be like a valuable like you know um data for like other bodybuilders coming up bodybuilders and stuff like that to be able to follow another natural bodybuilder that's utilizing a keto approach yeah no i'm definitely yeah. curious to see how it, it pans out and uh, I don't know we'll see <laughs> we'll find out in 15 weeks I guess right Four, 14 well 14. yeah we're like 14 and a half whatever yeah we still got we still got a, a ways to go like in a contest prep 14 weeks is still a long a long ways to go yeah especially when my first prep was only 12 weeks in its entirety you yeah. know and I've already yeah and I've already been prepping almost 17 so yeah. it's like I didn't yeah, the sport is, de- I mean, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. It's a slower approach. I mean, that's why um, with most people, and again, though, I know you started out leaner, so you didn't need as much time. But one of the one of the biggest aspects that I try to stress with, uh, with clients and other coming up bodybuilders is giving yourself enough time to get ready for your show. Yeah. The typical, especially again, when, when we're going to talk natural bodybuilders, when we have no, you know, enhancements that are going to get us to burn fat faster. When you're just relying on your own body chemistry to lose weight, you're going to realize it's a lot slower process than you think. Mm-hmm. So that's why, for example, my last two contest preps, I did 24 week, you know, six month contest preps. And then this prep, I'm going even longer and doing 32 weeks. Most people will be like, oh my gosh, that's so long. But really in the, in, in the, in the aspect, again, of doing natural bodybuilding, it's just what I'm doing is it's just giving myself enough time to slowly lose the body fat that I need to lose to be ready by by stage time and then plus two being able to preserve that muscle that yeah. muscle throughout the, the course of the duration of this contest prep if I'm sitting there trying to cram you know lose 30 pounds in in 12 weeks that means I'm gonna have to be losing a lot more weight a lot faster yeah. which in the end result I'm gonna burn off a lot more muscle tissue trying to cram all this weight loss in three months as opposed to spreading it out yep 
So again, contest prep is so, if I can stress anything, it's so much strategy. So make sure any of you guys that are wanting to do your first contest preps, and this is really gonna depend on your starting point. Everybody starts at different stages, but if you're a person that you have a good amount of fat to lose, I'm talking at least, you know, 30 pounds or more, I would highly suggest, honestly, at least minimum 24 weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know for a lot of people that seems like a lot of time, but contest preps, they, you know, they fly by. It it takes time. It takes time to get all, again, to get all that body fat off, especially if you're a bodybuilder. We got to get those glutes in. Yeah. (laughs) If your glutes aren't in, you're not in shape. No. I mean, that really is. And it's it's funny, though, because it's like so rare to still this day to see a lot of guys that have shredded glutes. Yeah. Most people just can't get that shredded. And a lot of times, like imagine if you just would have given yourself another eight weeks, Mm -hmm. you might have got there. You know what I mean? That's what kind of sucks. A lot of people kind of look back on a prep and be like, man, if I just had more time. If you're going to put this much time, attention to detail, and energy into any one thing, you should leave nothing for granted. And if it takes another eight weeks, then it's time well spent. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just like with anything in life. The more time and work you put into something, the better the result. And it's the same thing that goes with bodybuilding. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, take that, take that motto and use it into your contest prep and... You know what I mean? Give yourself enough time to make sure that if you want to get that conditioning that you're really striving for, it's going to take a long time. Yep. Especially doing this naturally. Absolutely. Very slow. Well, gone. We're at an hour and 31 minutes. We'll call that good. I think that's sufficient. I hope, again, (laughs) I just hope that this podcast can be, you know, you know, I feel like the target audience and stuff like that. I hope this, we can get some, some, some tips and things in there that you can yeah, this take. Is, this from is this definitely podcast. catering towards a specific niche audience. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which I feel like though, we need more, we need more, we need more natural bodybuilding type kind of like education and awareness and, yep. and stuff like that because we're kind of a small niche group. <laughs> hey, we're all, we're you all know family what I mean? though. Yeah. We're all family. Camaraderie like is there. Yep. So again, I just hope people can, can learn learn some things from this and um you know from people that have some experience in, in what we've done and what we've accomplished and let them learn from that definitely definitely what what can people go to find you what's your social media channel yeah people want to find me you best you can contact me on uh facebook just search con wolf c-o-h-n-w-o-l-f-e you can shoot me a message on facebook uh, my email is my last name wolf w-o-l-f-e con c-o-h-n uh, wolfcon at yahoo.com uh, I have a YouTube channel uh, con wolf uh, I try to do a lot of uh, content on there to kind of help people you know nutrition videos I'm documenting this contest prep um, Instagram con wolf 81 I think that's pretty much covered all my <laughs> social media outlets carrier pigeon you huh know. <laughs> yeah no, no. I mean if that's you can find me on one of those Good, good. All right, well, I'll, I'll link to all those in the description of this as well. This podcast will go live. I don't know. I need to edit it and stuff, so hopefully next week for sure. Sounds good. All right. Well, pleasure, man. And uh, let's go get something to eat right now. Shoot. Shoot.